You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. It is done. The speculation is over. Training camp is over. The preseason is over. The Miami Dolphins have a 53-man roster. Well, they have the initial 53-man roster. This is unlikely to be the exact 53-man roster that the Dolphins are going to go into week one of the NFL season against the New England Patriots with. But it's the roster that we've got now, and it's the roster that we're going to react to on this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show before we get into our official 2022 season preview. Because that's that's it. The preseason is over. At this time, it's it's getting ready to talk about real, actual football. Brain, how's it going? I mean, it's it's going. I mean, we're we're a step closer, so there's that excitement. But uh, look, uh, I I can't lie to you. I'm feeling uh, not not feeling great about this 53 man roster. Uh, some things on here that really. Uh, made me scratch my head well we're gonna get into it in a little bit and it's good that you're staying on brand so that that is good and appreciated by everybody i'm sure um so we're gonna get into that 53 man roster in just a minute but first a reminder to everybody to make sure that you are following the podcast on twitter at same old dolphins of course i am at amplified to rock he is at aaron the brain that's at a aaron the brain the show as i mentioned same old dolphins and you can download rate review and subscribe to the same old dolphin show on apple podcast spotify stitch SoundCloud, anywhere that you get your podcasts. And of course, we invite you to subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel where you may be watching this right now. If you're watching this video right now on YouTube, smash that like button, hit subscribe, turn on the alert bell so you're notified every time we go live. You don't want to miss it as we get into the regular season. We're going to have regular programming coming your way multiple times a week here on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. And of course, make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins, and there's a bunch of stuff up there right now about the 53-man roster that we are about to get into. And of course, make sure that you're also hanging out with our sponsors, Manscaped. They're setting you up with the best below-the-belt men's grooming products on the market. Head to manscaped.com. Use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK to get 20% off of your order. You're also going to get free shipping, all kinds of great products over there, including the Lawnmower 4.0 and their performance package. And then they've got the lip gloss. They've got the uh, deodorant and the shampoo, the body wash. They got all the stuff over there, all the gimmicks at manscaped.com. So make sure you visit manscaped.com. And again, use that promo code DOLPHINSTALK so you can save 20% off 
and get free shipping, which, hey, you can't beat that with a stick. Speaking of things that you can't beat with a stick, how about this Miami Dolphins 53-man roster? You can't you can't beat that with a stick. It's a it's there. It's the 53-man roster. Let's get into it, Brain. Let's talk about what it looks like. No beating around the bush. We'll start with the specialist because this is pretty straightforward. There was never a doubt about it. Long snapper Blake Ferguson, uh, punter Thomas Morstead, kicker Jason Sanders. Feeling good about the specialist, Brain? Yes. I feel good about the specialists. Great. We've got that out of the way. Let's go talk about the offense because this is where the conversation starts to get a little bit interesting. So we're going to start at quarterback. The Dolphins, not really surprisingly, sticking with three quarterbacks. Tua Tungo-Iloa, Teddy Bridgewater, and Skylar Thompson after his very good showing in the preseason makes the 53-man roster, as I think many of us suspected that he would. Then, the running backs, the Dolphins are keeping four. Savan Ahmed, Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin, and Raheem Mostert. So both um, Ahmed and Gaskin make the 53-man roster, at least the initial 53-man roster. They also keep fullback Alex Ingold. That's not a surprise. He was, the second they brought him in, you knew he was going to factor into this offense, particularly seeing as Mike McDaniel's offense figures to be a run-heavy attack. Then wide receivers, only five kept on the roster. They are, of course, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson, and Eric Azukama. And then the other wide receiver, Trent Sherfield, which that is not a surprise. I think it is surprising that they only kept five receivers. And I guess they're going to hope that Braylon Sanders and uh, River Craycraft will pass, pass through waivers, make it through waivers, and be able to be added to the practice squad. That's going to be the hope there. And then tight ends, also five. Seathan Carter, Mike Kosicki, Hunter Long, Durham Smythe, and Tanner Connor, the undrafted rookie who was hurt later in camp, but apparently had really put on a, a show for the coaches before getting hurt. All five of them make the team. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Pretty good there for the Dolphins. And then, of course, you have the Dolphins' offensive line situation. They have kept... Uh, I'm, it's going across the scroll on the bottom of the screen right now, and I'm trying to get caught up with it. But they kept Teron Armstead and I'm going off the top of my head right now. Teron Armstead, Liam Eikenberg, uh, Liam Eikenberg, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, Robert Hunt. Connor Williams. Uh, let's see, who else? Austin they, Jackson. Austin and then Jackson you've got made Greg it. Little is the swing tackle. You've got Dieter as your interior you utility guy. And then they kept Robert Jones. Yes, Robert Jones beating out uh, Panky and Solomon Kindley. And he is included in that group on the Dolphins' offensive line. So there it is. The Dolphins didn't bring in outside help, although it's still something that's possible as teams are sending other guys to the waivers. But Brain, your thoughts on how this offense stacks up right now? So... Look, the biggest surprise is, I mean, let's start here, is that uh, Miles Gaskin makes the roster over Sony Michelle. Miles Gaskin costs more money, is less proven, doesn't run as physical 
and is not as good in pass protection. So it's a little bit confusing. I mean, he's, I'll, I'll say this, Sony Michelle is not a fun guy to watch. He runs with virtually no burst and Miles Gaskin is quicker and looks faster than Sony Michelle at this point in both of their careers. Um, so maybe they felt like, you know, Miles Gaskin brings a little bit more to the table. I just don't see it that way, considering the makeup of the rest of this backfield. Um, you know, I, I guess there's something to be said for, you know, what the, what the inside the tackles or between the tackles running game looks like once you already have once you have Alec Ingold in there and you're playing with a real fullback and maybe you feel like you don't really need that bruising back. But the, for the two things alone, just strictly on the field play, the ability to gain an extra yard or so after contact you know, to move a pile on short yardage. Definitely a weakness in Miles Gaskin's game, not something that we have really with any of the other backs on this roster. And so Sony Michelle seemed to fill that role. And then two, the ability to protect in, in, you know, in the passing game where Miles Gaskin was woefully bad and Sony Michelle has been better, uh, in this preseason comparatively, uh, and then, and then you factor in the fact that he's cheaper. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, like you're talking about Miles Gaskin versus Sony Michelle. Like, I don't think you're going to have a huge, I don't think this, this decision is going to be the difference between the Dolphins winning or losing any games this year. But yeah. And I think in a perfect world, you're not seeing much of them on the field anyway. You're primarily seeing the other three guys. I think you're primarily seeing Edmonds, Mostert, and Ackman. But I mean, let's say Chase Edmonds gets hurt and like track record wise, that's not a stretch. Now, like you're now your backfield is Raheem Mostert, Savan Ahmed, and Miles Gaskin. None of those guys can break a tackle. Like no, that, I mean that, it's it's that's a problem. Um and so that's that's the kind of problem that can have you like in the middle of the season looking to sign a a running back or trade for a running back and you don't want to put yourself in that position needlessly. Um I thought Sony Michelle look they brought him in for a specific reason. I think it made sense to have him on this roster ahead of Miles Gaskin. I don't you're not gaining anything long term by keeping Miles Gaskin here because you're not going to re-sign Miles Gaskin to any kind of long-term deal. So uh, the only thing I can gather is that uh they liked his work ethic and like as you know what he like splitting hairs and liking like who he is in the locker room, but I don't know. It, well, it, and it, it sounded like it sounded like this decision, this decision was not made terribly difficult based on uh, Michelle and his performance in in camp. It seems like he was not quite there physically, and he wasn't able to be that presence that the Dolphins were going to need him to be. They were going to need him to be that physical back, and because of shortcomings, whether it was his ability to maintain i don't know what it what it is about him physically but it, the reports coming out of camp were that it was a struggle for michelle all the way through so not a, not a big surprise here so i don't know i i, I the, the, as when it comes to pass protection and that 
That's what Alec Ingold is going to be there for. He's going to help. He's going to help with the the pass blocking. He's going to help with the run blocking. And there's your big body. There's your there's your Jordan one yard. It's going to be Alec Ingold going forward for one or two yards. And that was what that's what Sony Michelle looked like he was going to be good for, if good for anything, was that ability to just kind of when you need one yard, get you one yard, and when you need three yards, get you one yard. That was is what it was going to be. And is Jordan so, Howard still out there. That's it. Yeah, that's right. Let's bring him back. We'll bring bring Jordan one yard um, back. But aside from that, look, I, I was a little surprised that we kept Robert Jones over Solomon Kinley because I thought Solomon Kinley had a great camp and a great preseason. I just think they they ultimately decided that they can't do the things that they want to do with their running game right. with Solomon Kinley. And so they see a higher ceiling in Robert Jones. And maybe they were just they were featuring Solomon Kinley in hopes that somebody would fall in love with him and and give us some sort of pick. And it didn't happen. Um I, I fully expect him to get picked up by another team. Um, but I, I'm still a little bit surprised because like Solomon Kinley for the, for what he can do in pass protection, I thought w- was worthy of a roster spot, but I don't want to spend too much time on that. Cause like you're talking about your eighth offensive lineman. I don't think it's a huge deal and I don't think there's a huge difference there. Um, tight ends and wide receivers. Let's talk about the, some tight ends this, and wide receivers. This is where I'm I'm finding myself at my most irritable. Um, oh, irritable, irritable, Aaron, the brain. I don't mind that they decided to go with five wide receivers. I don't mind that they decided to keep Tanner Connor. Um, I think, you know, there's conflicting you know there's possibilities here Tanner Connor not being 100% healthy they were afraid to stash him on the on the the practice squad that he might get picked up so he might be a guy who now that the 53 man roster has been set you stash him on on you know IR uh for a few weeks it opens up another roster spot it enables you to keep him at some point though you're going to take him off of the roster and uh it it just begs the question, like, why do you need ta- Tanner Connor? And the only thing that I can think of is that Mike Kosicki is definitely being shopped. And it, it's one of two. Well, it's one of two things. I could say this. Mike Kosicki is either being shopped or Mike Kosicki is being looked at as a wide receiver. Which you can make the argument. Okay. Mike Asicki is, is the team's number three or number four receiver. Well, here's the problem with that. We'll get into the defense and the situation that they've got looming in the secondary, um, where they might need to, to add somebody. But there are spots on this roster that have definitive holes. And the Dolphins made the decision. To franchise tag Mike Kosicki and pay him roughly eleven million dollars this year as as a tight end, and they're now it's now becoming very clear that he cannot play tight end in this offense. And this breakdown of the roster, the fact that they're only keeping five receivers, tells me that they view Mike Kosicki and Tanner Connor as wide receivers like big wide receivers that can fill that role and that's fine he might fit in there but 
if you if you were to take it in a vacuum and say, okay, we're going to pay, pay Mike Gesicki $11 million to be our number three receiver, I'm fine with that. But you're also paying Cedric Wilson a bunch of money to be your number three receiver. And if you're, if he's not your number three receiver, then you're paying him a bunch of money to be your number four receiver. And so you're paying a bunch of money right now to your, you're paying, what is Cedric Wilson making? Like eight, nine million dollars. So you're paying like 19 million dollars for your numbers three and four receiver on this roster. Meanwhile, you've got major question marks on the offensive line. You've got major question marks in the secondary. You've got major question marks in the backfield. And you know at this point that Mike Kosicki is not going to be here long-term. So why did they spend $11 million to keep this guy here for one year? Just let him go. That could have been a roster spot. That could have been, whether you want to say it's J.C. Treader, whether you want to say it's uh, Joe Hayden, whether you want to say whoever you wanted to say it's going to be, it's $11 million that was poorly spent. And even if Mike Kosicki goes out and has an impactful year, he's not really worth it. He's not going to live up to that contract. He's not going to be back long-term. And then... You know, even if he has a great year, well, what did you pay Cedric Wilson for? Like, there's just it it what it strikes me as is they panicked when it came to Mike Gasicki. They didn't know what they had, they couldn't make a decision, they slapped the franchise tag on him because they didn't know what to do, and now they're stuck with the bill. It's a rough situation that the Dolphins find themselves in here, Brain. But you're saying while the Dolphins have holes at some position. They don't have holes at tight end. Yeah, amazingly, they have five tight ends, and we still don't know that they have a good tight end for this system. Fair enough. Well, let's go over to the defensive side of the ball because I feel like there's going to be some other things there that are going to raise your cockles a little bit. So let's head over to the defensive side of the ball. On the Dolphins' defensive line, they have Raquan Davis, John Jenkins, Emmanuel Ogba, Zach Sealer, and Christian Wilkins. At linebacker slash edge, I'm combining them, Jerome Baker, Sam Eguavone, Trey Flowers, Melvin Ingram, Julian, Jalen Phillips, Duke Riley, Alandon Roberts, Channing Tindall, and Andrew Van Ginkle. Your cornerbacks, Xavier Howard, Noah Igbenogany, Cater Kohu makes the team, Nick Needham, and Keon Crossan. Then your safeties, Elijah Campbell, Clayton Fedgelum, Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, and Eric Rowe. So, Brain, when last we spoke, the Dolphins had brought Trey Flowers in. You were not thrilled about the idea. Now they have signed him to a contract. Now he is there. And we've got to talk about the biggest news of all that came out today. In addition to the release of the 53-man roster, the biggest piece of news is the fact that Byron Jones is starting the season on PUP, which means that he is going to miss the first four games of the season, including two games where the Dolphins are going to need him desperately. First is the Buffalo Bills in week three and at Cincinnati week four, two teams that are going to throw the ball at will. And the Dolphins are going to need to figure out a way to slow down those two offenses. So now Byron Jones on pup and the Dolphins need the cornerback. 
They need help at cornerback. Now, they they may, in fact, be looking to bring somebody in. Uh, while Chris Greer said in his press, press conference today that they didn't think it was, quote unquote, critical to bring in a cornerback. I'm sure they're looking around. I'm sure they're shopping around. There are a number of guys out there. Logan Ryan is a guy who was uh, released from the Buccaneers today. You've got Joe Hayden still out there. There are cornerbacks on the market. The question is, Brain, do the Dolphins have money to sign one of those guys, knowing that they have now also signed Trey Flowers to come in and bolster the front? I don't know. I mean, unless they're going to go out and really and go for it and bring in Joe Hayden. I mean, I don't know that any of the other guys really move the needle for me. Maybe Logan Ryan a little bit. I mean, we'll see who else is, is out there. I haven't really looked at the list at this point, but I mean, granted, it's just four weeks, but everything well, it's at all- least it's at least four weeks. Well, if it's going to be more, if there's any question that it's going to be more than four weeks, I mean, you've got to sign somebody because the season, the season could be over by the time he comes back. Um, I mean, if, if the Dolphins don't win that opener, I mean, if they don't come up with a win against New England and Baltimore, who are not known for their passing attack. So maybe you can, you can win one of those games. If you don't win one of those two games, I mean, Buffalo and Cincinnati are going to have a field day with these corners. I mean, we came into the, before the season started, before training camp started, going all the way back to the draft, we were advocating, I was advocating that the Dolphins might want to use their top pick on a cornerback because you don't want to be one injury away from having Noah Igbenogany as your starting outside corner. Well, not only are the Dolphins now one injury away from Noah Igbenogany being their starting cornerback, their starting outside cornerback, they're also zero injuries away from Keon Crossan being their starting outside cornerback. So this is not a good situation. And I know there's been some talk, well, Nick Needham can move to the outside and be and be the cornerback. And then you just need to have somebody fill in at the nickel corner. Well, the problem is, is Nick Needham, Needham, the reason that he's a nickel corner is because we know that he's not a good outside cornerback. So he's not any kind of answer. Like if you go into the season and nobody's going to throw it as Xavier Howard (laughs) for the first four weeks of the season. Like, why would you like? Your your fate. You're you're either going up against Nick Needham, Keon Crossan, or Noah Igbenogany. There's no reason to throw it at Xavier Howard for the first month of the season. Um, it's it's very concerning. If they don't find a way to split at least split those first two games, they're going to start zero and four. And if you're zero and four in this in the landscape of the, this AFC, I mean any in any season you start zero and four and you're really behind the eight ball. But this year. I don't think there's a chance in hell you're making the playoffs if you start 0-4. And, 4. and, that and that's would a be, legitimate possibility at this point. Yep. And it would, be a, it would be a major problem for this team and for this regime. I mean, it's – I mean, we don't need to tell anybody, and we'll get into this in a little bit here when we get more into the preview. I don't think we need to disguise – We I don't think we can – understate just how high expectations are for this team. And I would imagine that most people feel like if this team fails to make the playoffs, that that is a significant failure. 
Um, even, even with it being the head coach's first year and, you know, without getting into all the noise and off field distractions that we heard about early in this off season with all of the things that were going on on the outside. If you thought that noise was loud this off season, watch what happens if this team fails to meet expectations. And I think they're expectations that are not necessarily unfair expectations, but yeah, I, I, I think you've. You've hit the nail on the head with it there, Brain. So, so here we are. Here's the 53-man roster. It's there. It's done and dusted. All of those shortcomings aside, how you feeling? I feel like this team has a chance to be a playoff team. They have a chance to be pretty good, but... The way things are trending, it feels like this team needed kind of everything to go right to get to where they wanted to be, and things are already starting to fall against them, and the season hasn't started yet. So it's just, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling terribly optimistic just because of the the competition of the of the rest of the conference and what it's going to take for this team to get to the playoffs. Um, you're going to need the, like, this is looking like a very same old Dolphins team where we haven't had it in a while because, you know, we did this whole rebuild where we tore everything up from the studs and we, we lopped off, you know, the, the top half of the roster and we've just been developing guys, but we're, we're back at that point now where it's a very top heavy roster. And Going into training camp preseason, I, I felt a lot better about our depth, but I'm not feeling that great about our depth anymore. And you know that injury, that further injuries are going to happen. So what's, what's the team going to look like when that happens? Yeah, that is that's a very good question. It's a fair question. And I mean, I think everybody every team has injury concerns in this team in this league, but I think some teams are a bit more top heavy than others. And it certainly seems like the Dolphins are a team that has been built from from the top down. Um and particularly that cornerback room. Uh that's it's going to be an interesting situation there because we've seen that Noah Igbenogany shouldn't be on this team and I think wouldn't be on this team if it weren't for the fact that uh well at least for the fact that Trill Williams got hurt and maybe I'm wrong about that maybe it, Trill Williams getting hurt was what allowed Cater Kohu to be on this team but it, Noah Igbenogany did nothing nothing to I think make anybody outside of the organization believe that he deserves to be on this team and knowing that we are a breath away from him having to play meaningful snaps. In fact, he may be already in line to play meaningful snaps this soft season, this season, at least in these first few weeks while we wait for Byron Jones to get better is definitely, definitely a concern. And I think you're grateful that you're playing McCorkle Jones in week one of the season, because uh, otherwise it could be a very, very rough landing for no Igbenogany on that and that defense. But I'll say this about the roster. Is Mac really short for McCorkle? Jeez, you didn't know that? I don't pay attention to this. That's his the man's name is McCorkle Jones. What a name. Okay, let me let me read his let me get the full 
Let me get the full name, okay? Hold on. His full name is Michael McCorkle Mac Jones. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is Mac in parentheses or is Mac like a second middle name? Well, it's in it's in quotes, quotations. So his name is Michael McCorkle? Michael Jones? McCorkle. Michael McCorkle Jones. And he chose to make McCorkle the name that he goes. Well, he should have just. Well, he, he goes just by Mac. McC- he should have just gone with McCorkle. He should have been Mike. But then he'd be Mike Jones. You know, McCorkle. We could just call him McCorkle. Either way, we're going to call him Owen One, hopefully is what we're going to be calling him. But we'll get there in a minute. But what I what I really want to say about this roster is this, um, because it is better. It is better. And I think you can take, take some, uh, you can find some peace in knowing that guys that you ended the season with last year got cut from other teams today. Duke Johnson, Philip Lindsay. These were your running backs at the end of the year. And they didn't make a roster. Jesse Davis got traded today. Devontae Parker still exists somewhere. Somebody gave up a pick for Jesse Davis? Yeah, uh, the Steelers. Wow. I'm Brian Flores can't get enough of Jesse Davis. They're a, a, a match made in heaven. We need somebody to uh, Photoshop Brian Flores and Jesse Davis's faces over the Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. Can somebody make that happen? Surely there's somebody out there with some good Photoshop skills that can make that happen for us. Anyway, uh, listen, so the, the roster is better than it has been in the past, but it is not without its concerns. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but first, we have to talk about our good friends at True Classic, because support from today's episode of The Same Old Dolphin Show comes from our friends at True Classic. And this brand new sponsor is the absolute best-fitting t-shirts a man can buy. And as we know, finding the right t-shirt with a little bit of a dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either way too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore, and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit at an affordable price. And our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. This is true for a limited time only. Get 25% off with the promo code DolphinsTalk at trueclassic.com. This past weekend, I drove down to Connecticut. I, I live up here in central New York, and I and I took a drive down to Connecticut with a buddy of mine, and he was talking about he needs some new work pants. He need, He's a teacher. He needs some new pants for school. He went to trueclassic.com. He bought a pair of their khaki chinos, and he used the promo code Dolphins Talk. He saved 25% off of his pants. It's a great deal. So as we mentioned, it's not just T-shirts. You can also get pants. You can also get undergarments. You can do hoodies. I'm wearing a True Classic V-neck T-shirt right now. They also do crew necks. Got a lot of different colors. You can get packs. So you can get multiple, many shirts and save a little bit of cash with it. And then on top of the the savings that you get when you buy multiple shirts together, you use the promo code DolphinSock, you save an additional 25%. So, fellas, it's about time you learn how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com. 
dolphinstalk.com with the promo code DolphinsTalk. You'll also get free shipping included on per purchases over $100, and it is a 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. So try it out. If you don't like it, send it back. You get your money back. No harm, no foul. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. So with the roster squared away now, Bryn, it's time to face the season preview. We sat down, we sat down here on this show at the beginning of training camp, we asked the questions that we wondered if we would get answers to in training camp. And we did get a few, right? Among the questions that we had was whether or not the offensive line would would come together and congeal. And it was made abundantly clear at the beginning of camp that the offensive line was going to be Teron Armstead, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, Liam Eikenberg, and Austin Jackson. And that is the line. Now, we saw a lot more of Larnell Coleman than I think that anybody wanted to see in the preseason. We didn't see a whole lot of Greg Little, but, you know, largely that offensive line has not changed. And that, I think, is kind of, if nothing else, that is a welcome sign that they stuck with the same five guys. I know we didn't see a lot of Toronto Armstead because he's on the maintenance program, but you know, I think we got that answer. That's great. Would there be training camp surprises? There certainly were. I don't know that uh, a lot of people had Cater Kohu making the team. I don't know that a lot of people had Tanner Connor making the team. I think all those are really great things. And then they brought in a guy like Trey Flowers. Again, yet another surprise for the team. So we asked some of these questions in training camp. We got them answered. So now it's time to ask the big questions that are out there for this regular season. And these are the questions that I think are going to decide whether or not this team is in fact going to be a playoff team. And I'm going to start with my first, my question, my, my, my big question first, Brent. And I think it's one that a lot of people have danced around a little bit because we like this guy. I think there is no doubt that Mike McDaniel is a charming individual. He's got that kind of dry, sardonic wit about him. He's funny. He uh, doesn't seem to always take things too seriously. But you know, at the end of the day, he likes to apply himself. He's got that. He's got a little bit of that nerd brain in a good way, right? He's got a little bit of that beautiful mind going on when he builds his offense and, and he talks about football. You can see him sort of accessing those strategic parts of his brain and, and you like that. But the question remains, can he be a winning head football coach? We like the guy. We like his personality. We like all of that. We like the concepts of his offense. But can it translate to on-field success? Because for all of the talk of how much of a jerk he was, um, about the problems, the interpersonal problems that he had with certain players and members of the staff, fact is that Brian Flores led this team to back-to-back winning seasons and he was let go and you know I, I mean a lot of that had to do with factors other than the on-field product but now we're dealing with the other side where you're dealing with a guy that's very likable can Mike McDaniel make this team a winner continue the sustained success over two seasons of Brian Flores and propel this team to the playoffs? That is big question number one for me, Brain. 
Well, that was a lot of questions. Um, because if the question is, is Mike McDaniel going to get this team to the playoffs, then we'll definitively have an answer at the end of the year. Um, if the question is, is Mike McDaniel going to be a winning head football coach? I don't think we can make that answer after one year. After what I've seen with this organization over the past, what, 15 years? I don't think we can make that assessment after one year because we've literally seen that with just about every single coach. They come in and the first year they impress a bunch of people and everybody's ready to call them the next Don Shula. And then three years later, they're fired. So uh, even if Mike McDaniel gets this team to like 11 and six, which if he gets this team to 11 and six, everybody is going to be slurping up Mike McDaniel. Everybody's going to be talking. This is a family show, Brain. Anyway, everybody's going to be giving Mike McDaniel credit. It's so funny how Dolphin fans forget about this stuff, but they're going to do the same thing over again. They're going to be talking about him the same way they talked about Tony Sperano. They're going to be talking about him the same way they talked about Adam Gase, the same way they talked about Brian Flores. And it, it doesn't mean anything because if you come back the next season and you have a losing record or you're, you know, you don't make the playoffs, then what, what does it matter? We're going to end up calling for the guy's head in, in two or three years. So if, if the answer, if the question is, you know, is Mike McDaniel a good head coach? We're not going to know the answer at the end of this year. We might have an inkling. We might know if he's a bad head coach. You know, there was very little doubt when Cam Cameron finished his first season. He didn't finish the season. But when Cam Cameron, you know, led this team to a 1-15, and there was no doubt that Cam Cameron was a bad coach. But to be a good head football coach, it takes more than one year. No, that That's fair. And uh, so... Yeah, Alex in the comments, he pointed out the thing that I was thinking about. They never talked about Joe Philbin this way, and he lasted two and a half years. <laughs> That's the amazing thing. He never had any success, and he, he lasted last longer long, than He almost. lasted longer than Gase? Didn't he? Gase was here for four years, right? Oh, I guess he didn't last longer than Gase, but. I think I think Gase was here longer than. I think they were here the it same. It felt like he lasted. I think it felt they, like he was here for Spirano, a decade. I think Sperano, Philbin, and Gase were all here for like four years each. It was yeah, like the a Joe perfect... Philbin era is one. I listen. The only thing good about the Joe Philbin era was that it gave way to two thirds of a season of the Dan Campbell era. We love Dan Campbell on this podcast. I don't care what anybody says. All right, brain. What's the uh, what? What's your first big question for this season? I mean, are we not going to just are we just going to tiptoe around the two of thing? What to a thing? I don't know what you're like, talking is, about. Is Tua not the biggest question? Like, is that not the one? I don't one even that... know who you're talking about. Who is Tua? You know, uh, the, the the quarterback. Oh, know, the, right. The, the quarterback. Guy. Right. You know, the yeah, one, him. The one that's, uh, you know, a little bit better than Skylar Thompson. QB1. But it depends who you ask. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I, I think, look... The, at the end of the day, everything is there for Tua to take a jump. And now the the thing is, can this team can Tua really get this team where they need to be? And even if the team itself is not where it needs to be at the end of the year, 
I think you'll know. I think if you get out of this season and you don't know if Tua can get you there, then I think that's your answer. Uh, because everything is there for him. You've got, you know, uh, an offense that's built around a running game so you don't have to rely on him. You've got all the speed there uh, to give him, to create the space to kind of tailor the offense to a, a West Coast style run run after the catch so that he doesn't have to have this big arm, you know, throwing ropes 30, 30 yard, like th- throwing 30 yard outs, things like that. Cause he doesn't need to do that for this offense to be successful. Um, so the, the, like if you get out of this season and they're still like, I don't think to a, like the offense is still operating in like a 20 yard window and, and they're not, you know, ex- they're not creating explosive plays and two is still throwing really bad interceptions. And, and it's just really inconsistent. If two is missing like four or five games because of some injury, like you get out of the season, that's kind of who he is. But if Tua can come out and I'm not saying that Tua needs to come out and have a pro bowl season, I'm not saying he has to be as good as, as, uh, as Justin Herbert. Um, but if Tua goes out and plays really efficiently and this offense can can move the ball and score points, then I, I think that, you know, the, the, he can get you where you need to go. Um, but if if you if there's any doubt at the end of this season, then you that's your answer. Like you don't need to wait another. I mean, you could bring him back the following year because you don't have the there might not be a better option, but you you should have your eyes open and you should be looking for that upgrade potentially in the draft that even if that guy's not your quarterback next year, that he's going to eventually supplant Tua. And you don't need to give Tua that fifth year option if he doesn't take a huge step this year. So what, what kind of season do you need to see from him to bring him back as your starter next year? It's not about numbers. Like at the end of the day, I'm not not even talking about numbers. It's just like, so are are you tying it to results? I'm not like, even tying it trying? to results. Like it, this is not like, oh, look at the record on the team and that's it. That's, you know, how you make your decision on Tua. It's not Tua throw needs to throw 30 touchdowns and have this many interceptions or needs to throw for this many yards. Like at the end of the day, you need to come out of this season and feel like you can win a Super Bowl with Tua as your quarterback and you don't need everything to be perfect around him the you 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 feel confident that Tua is a good quarterback if you can't if you come out of the season and you're like well I think he could be good I think he's okay I think he's average and like could get better if this changed if if we get to that point after year three of this after all the weapons that are here then no, like, you know, your answer at that point, it's not about numbers. It's not about win loss record. It's, it's really about going game to game and then looking at it and, and assessing the entire picture at the end of the year. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious what that looks like, like what a season looks like where you feel confident with like, because yes, there's a world where the dolphins somehow finish seven and 10, the offense has looked good. You know, maybe there's a world where the defense falls apart. And in spite of the offense's ability, you know, like, and the the offense is putting up 30 points a game, maybe even more than that. 
If the offense is putting up 30 points a game, then two is probably doing pretty well. Okay. So that, so, you know, so there is a number in there somewhere. But it's I just mean, a matter of trying to figure what that, what that is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a definitive number. Cause I mean, well, you could put so up you, 30 points a game and you could, you know, like the Cowboys had 30 points, you know, led the league in scoring last year, but they also had a lot of defensive and special teams touchdowns. So like, yeah, that's true. So, but I mean, you can figure it out They you can get into the metrics and figure out what it is that is, you know, where does this team rank in offensive DVOA? Is that the, is that the number that you need? Do you need them to be a top 10 DV offensive DVOA team to no. say, okay, you know, what it, done you know what it is? You need to come out of this season and not need to look at the stats. That's what well, it comes I, down. <laughs> if you have to look at the stats to make the argument for Tua, then he's not good enough. Because if you have to go to the stats, then you're just, you know from what you've seen that he's not good enough and you're trying to come up, you're trying to grasp at straws to make your argument. You should, if, if, if he's the real deal, you know he's the real deal and you don't need to see the stats. All right. Okay. Well, I, well, let's see what happens and let's, we'll, we'll use the eyeball test and we'll see what happens there. Let's, Go to the next question that I have, which is related to the Tua question, which is very much about uh, the offensive line. Can this offensive line take a big step forward this year? We do not need to have a top 10 offensive line in the NFL, I don't believe, to see significant improvement from this offense. I think if this offensive line could be middle of the road, we're going to see significant improvement. The question is, is Teron Armstead at left tackle and Connor Williams at center and this new offensive scheme? Are those three things enough to allow this offensive line to take a big step forward this season? That's the question. And, and I think the biggest question, look, we know, Look, they've got five tight ends and a fullback on this roster. They want to run the football. So you need to be good at running the football. Like you could define good, however you want to define good. You want to say, well, top 15 rushing offense, top 15 yards per carry, uh, top 10, you know, this team needs Wait to Wait a minute. So for running the ball, you, you look at the stats. Yeah, I just want to make sure the, I know where we're going to look at the stats. Stat. Running okay. the ball is a very simple metric. How many yards do you get when you try to run the ball? That's, that's very simple. The quarterback is, is much, much different because the running game is not one player. It's your offensive line. It's your tight ends. It's your wide receivers. It's the running backs themselves. It's the coaching. It's the way the thing is schemed up. Like, you need to have, you need to be able to have a successful running game. You can have a successful passing game and not even have a great quarterback because you can, you can scheme it that. You can have a successful running game and not have a great running back, but you need to have a successful running game. And so the, the only way to know if your running game is success, sure. Yeah. You can watch the game and you can see it and you can know it, but statistically, um, you, you can actually measure how good your, your running game is. 
Um, and so, yeah, you, you do need to, and I'm not saying that there's like some arbitrary number, like you gotta be in the top 15 or you gotta be in the top 10, but you, when you need to run the football, you have to be able to run the football and you shouldn't be, if you, if you get into it where every time you play a good defense, you're just unable to run the ball and you have to become one dimensional, then that means that you can't run the football. And if this team cannot run the football, then the offensive line is really not working. And, you know, they have to be able to protect the passer better than they have in the past. And I think running the football just on its own will make this offensive line better at protecting the passer. But they need to be better in that regard, too. Yeah, and it is really a question. And I'm I'm just curious what they're going to be able to do this season and whether or not they're going to be able to put it all together. Um, you know, many, many questions out there. <laughs> well, I have one now, last question. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've got another question. So let's hear about it. Yeah. And I think this is one that's been getting overlooked. It's been mentioned a few times, but it, it seems to get glossed over because there's a lot of optimism about this defense. But the question is, is this defense because they brought everybody back is mostly the same guys. Is this defense closer to the defense that we saw at the first half of last year when they were really bad? Or are they closer to the defense that was there in the second half of the year when they were really good? But they admittedly also went through a string of teams that either had bad or third string quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, it's a it is a fair question. What is this defense actually? And that is going to go a long way to determining how they how they end up at the end of the year. Now, it regardless of who they played last year, they did end the year, according to Football Outsiders, 10th in total DVOA. In 2020, they were 11th in total DVOA on defense. So this is a, this has been an overall good unit. But we know that Brian Flores was a very defensive-minded head coach. And there were questions about whether or not he was the one that was calling the shots on defense. And now he's gone. And so now it's Josh Boyer's show. And there is no more ambiguity there. And now we are seeing that Byron Jones is starting the year on PUP. And we've got a pretty mixed bag at cornerback outside of Xavier Howard. We do happen to have one of the breakout superstars in the NFL and at safety in Javon Holland. We hope so. We, I mean, he's, he's coming on strong. It would take a, you know, I, I, I feel like I would be very surprised if he took a significant step back this season, knock on wood, but But to say he's a breakout superstar, that's like saying he's going to make the pro bowl. And I'm not saying he's not going to make the pro. I think he has a legitimate shot at making the pro. I hope that he is that, but are you going to be surprised if he's not like a Pro Bowl safety? I guess I can't say that I would be surprised okay. if he wasn't, but I feel so like he's going to be there. Is the point. I'm confident in him anyway. But at any rate, yes, it is a question. And the one thing, as, as the Dolphins have been taking steps forward over these past few seasons, the big question that has always been there is, 
how long can this defense keep it up? Now they brought the band, got the band back together, and they've certainly supplemented it up front with Melvin Ingram and now Trey Flowers. Although Trey Flowers had a drop off over the past couple of seasons, but maybe that had more to do with where he ended up. Um, I, I, I think there are reasons for optimism. I think you could certainly look at the data and say, yes, there are reasons to believe that the Dolphins are going to have yet again another top 10 defense in total DVOA. But I think there is also the possibility that you can look at the set of data and go, I think it's very possible that this team regresses because defensive performance is one of those things that is not necessarily predictive from one year to the next so it's very possible that this defense could take a big step back this season especially when you factor in losing a a top cornerback for the first quarter of the season so you know that and that's going to be one of those things that ultimately the answer to this question about what this defense is is going to play a huge role in determining where this team ends up at the end of the season. Because if they can be closer to that team that we saw in the second half of the season, even against tough opponents, and we and we can look through the schedule, we can walk through that schedule in a minute and talk about how brutal it is. Um, you know, if they can if they can slow some of those teams down, then. Great, then the sky's the limit with this team. We've, we, I've said it on this podcast before. If you simulate this season a hundred times, there is a number, a non-zero number of times that you simulate this NFL season where the Dolphins go to the Super Bowl and win it. What's that right? number? I don't know what that number is. That's the question. One to that 10, qu- 11 to 20. I mean, it's it's probably in the minority of times probably How good in the that defense is is the key to making that <laughs> so number get bigger so it's probably less than a 50 50 shot yes i would i would imagine it is less than a 50 50 shot but that's these are this is why these are the questions right if these are questions that we knew the answer to already it'd be a lot easier to predict but we don't which is why this is the preview show and it's why i like to do things it's why i think it's better to preview the season in terms of questions as opposed to saying this is what's going to happen I agree. because there are a million different factors and nobody knows right and like this is the this is the National Football League you can't really start to make assessments about a team in general until you get to about week 5 of the season and you've seen a body of evidence build over because as we've said on this podcast we say it year after year the National Football League is the king of overreactions to it, to small sample sizes Right. I mean, we I've got people reacting and telling me that the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl based off of what they saw this preseason. I mean, it's the preseason. You're watching fake football. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be things that you saw in this preseason. They're looking at because I'm not saying that there wasn't. I mean, because there were things in this preseason that made me go, okay. I see where this team could go if it all clicks. But there were also things that I saw in this preseason that made me go, oh, yeah, I can see what this is going to look like if it doesn't all click, you know? Um, So it makes me, the fan that has been watching this team for a long, long time and been burned by this team for a long, long time, listen, it it makes me go, all right, here we go. Let's see what happens. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to see what happens. But brain, 
before we see what happens, you know what time it is? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little lightheaded. I think I, I think I need to check my pulse. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. That's right. It is time for another DolphinsTalk.com pulse check. And a reminder to everybody, if you haven't before, you can send us your pulse check. You can send your own pulse checks into us at the same old Dolphin Show. All you have to do is send them our way. You send it to DTPulseCheck at gmail.com you can send a 30 to 45 second video we'll also allow audio notes because we have one that we're going to play today tell us your name tell us where you're from tell us your twitter handle if you want to uh tell us how you're feeling and then sum it up in one word so brain we got some that i want to share with you today you ready for some pulse checks yeah let's do it Let's start with a pulse check from somebody that uh, I think everybody here at the DolphinsTalk.com YouTube, everybody on the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network is a little bit familiar with. This is Mike from DolphinsTalk.com and it's time for a pulse check. Right now, heading into week one, I am a little nervous about the Miami Dolphins in that the depth at corner has me concerned and also the offensive line depth has me very concerned as well. Greg Little wasn't even good enough to be active any weeks last year. Now he's our first offensive tackle off the bench. That makes me nervous. Also, at corner, obviously no Byron Jones for the first four games. Not good news, to say the least. And hopefully Miami can make some moves here on the waiver wire to get some more depth on the offensive line and some more depth at corner. Heading into week one, I'm still very optimistic about the 2022 season, but I'm not going to lie. My pulse check right now, the one word to describe it, is nervous. I'm a little nervous. So, that's this week's pulse check. Thanks, Mike. Mike is nervous. We have another pulse check this week from somebody who wishes to remain anonymous. So we will will not share their name. Uh, and we're just gonna play their pulse check as a voice note. So let's let's listen together. Imagine. Imagine a team whose owner loses them a first-round pick and a third-round pick for tampering, which, quote, exceeds any level seen beforehand in the NFL, quote. Imagine. Imagine a team that fires the first head coach to have winning back-to-back seasons in 20 years. Imagine. Imagine a general manager who whiffs on three first-round picks in the 2020 season. Imagine. Imagine a fan base that actually thinks they're going to go to the playoffs after hiring a rookie head coach who's implementing a brand-new system and has no defensive experience. My word for this year? Same. Oh, it cut off. You didn't hear it? You didn't hear the was, word? It, I heard it, it, it. I mean, I think it was it same. It was same. Yeah. Well, that was my word. Like, what was it last week or two weeks? Samey? Yeah, something like same, that. Samey same. was your word. It wasn't the same word. It was very similar, but this was same. It was same. 
So, Brain, uh, I've got one more Pulse Check video that I want to share, but I want to share it at the end because it's a little bit different. It's a little bit off the beaten path. So um, I'm going to go with – well, I want to go with your Pulse Check for this week, Brain. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was between two words, but I think the, the word that I'm, I'm gravitating to the most uh, is confused. I'm, I'm confused – with some of the decisions that were made with this roster, I'm confused that uh, they felt that Sony Michelle would be a a better piece of this roster than than Miles Gaskin, particularly with the price. I'm confused that they're so taken aback. They're they're so unprepared with this By- Byron Jones injury that they did not bring in another outside corner when Trill Williams got hurt. And then they end up putting Byron Jones on the PUP. So is it like, you're just really surprised that he's hurt and you just, you thought that he would be ready. And now it's taking a month longer than you thought just a couple weeks ago. Um, or are you just that, not concerned about the proximity that Noah Igbenogany is going to have to your outside cornerback position, potentially in games against the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. So I'm very confused at that. I'm confused at the vision to keep Mike Gesicki around for a one-year $11 million contract but still feel like you need to spend 8 or $9 million on another receiver uh, in Cedric Wilson and that you have to bring back or you have to add Tanner Connor to the roster. Uh, I'm confused that the offensive lineman who probably had the best preseason of any of the Dolphins offensive linemen did not make the roster on a team whose offensive line is the biggest question mark on the roster. I'm very confused about the, the vision but the more that I think about it, the more I start to gravitate towards my other word because I'm not really all that confused because I've seen this for so many years where there's a lack of vision at the top for the Miami Dolphins. So I think I'm more annoyed. So yeah, I started as confused, but my pulse has... has drastically increased it went from you know 95 to now it's around 115 and i'm just flat out annoyed well all right i mean that's on brand for you i i would say definitely on brand which i appreciate uh for me this week i i've been thinking about listen as i said there were moments in that last preseason game and granted it was the Dolphins running their starters out against you know the replacement players on the Eagles but they did what you would want them to do is they they whooped up on them which good you would expect them to do that and you saw the potential that this offense has when it is functioning firing on all cylinders and that was something that made you they could make me excited 
Um, and of course, as I mentioned earlier, I saw the week before the offense couldn't get anything going. And it was very frustrating because it was it just like the same old thing that we've seen over and over and over again with this team of the past couple of decades. And you saw, oh, this could also actually be very ugly. So as we go into this season with the team with a lot of people very optimistic, as mentioned by our uh, mystery voice note, you know, there are a lot of people, there's a lot of cause for optimism, but there's also a lot of cause for worry, as you've hinted at and others have hidden at. And all I know is that what I want, what I want more than anything is for the Dolphins to be hashtag actually good. Like I want them to win. I want them to be one of the teams that people in this league, you know, that other teams don't want to play. I want them to be a team that I feel confident is going to win football games on the road in the winter. I want to be confident about this team. I just want them so badly to succeed. My pulse check this week. I am desperate for the Dolphins to be good. I'm desperate as we go into this season. So, Brain, we're getting ready to dive in. Our next show is coming to you, coming to the people Thursday night. If you watch us live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, by the way, hit like, share, subscribe, all those things. Make it happen. Uh, We'll come to you live Thursday night. And then if you listen to the podcast, you'll get it Friday morning to preview the Dolphins season opening game against the New England Patriots and McCorkle Jones. So my question here, Brian, we, we talked about it on the roundtable show here on the podcast network. Have you moved off of the prediction? Are you still feeling 10 and seven is where we're going to be at the end of the year? I, I still think 10 and seven. I mean, when you look at my prediction, um, like it's not like I, it, it relied on the dolphins getting off to a fast start. So, uh, you gotta beat new England. I don't think you need to have all your cornerbacks to beat new England. Um, particularly early in the year while they're working out some of the kinks in their offense. So I think that you, you can win that game. And even if you lose the next three, um, I think you're, you're set up for success in that middle part of the, of the season. Um, to me, the question isn't, am I still at that prediction of 10 and 7? The question is whether it's going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Like the question is, forget about the record. Does this Miami Dolphins football team make the playoffs? And then follow-up question, depending on your answer. Oh, you're asking me? I think we should both answer. (laughs) I think they can. That's the answer right there. That's it right there. You can't even say it. <laughs> He's so desperate, but he can't even say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think they can make the playoffs. Oh, Jesus. Uh, 
Will this Miami Dolphins team make the playoffs this season? You know what? No. Wow. Wow. There it is. And, uh, you know, I don't like what I'm seeing. (laughs) Uh, I, I'm, I've been thinking they're going to make the playoffs, but at, at this point, like to me, what it comes, like I look at my prediction and the more I look at that prediction, the more it just tells the story, which is you're one and three, you win a bunch of games in the middle of the season. There's a stupid loss in there somewhere. You, you have this tough stretch where you have a bunch of road games you win a game against a, a playoff team, a, you know, a home game on Christmas against Green Bay. You put yourself in position where you're a playoff team at that point, and then you've got to go to New England. And this is just so Miami. We're going to lose that game. We're going to lose that game. And then we're going to finish the so season scarred. off against the We've Jets. We've been so scarred and, by this team. Yeah, and we're going to have that game against the Jets, and we're going to win that game against the Jets, but it's not going to matter because we're going to have needed somebody else to lose, and things just aren't going to go our way. And so we're going to be looking at another 10-win Dolphins season on the outside looking in. I don't think the Dolphins make the playoffs. Oh, I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I believe this team can. I believe they can, but I can't. I can't predict that they will until they show me. Until they show me. Ah. Okay. With all that out of the way, I have this last pulse check that we that we received. Uh, it's also from a guy called Josh. And it is... I don't know how well this is going to translate for those of you who are listening to the audio podcast. So you may need to go and watch and put this on YouTube because it is, there's certainly an ass. There are certainly some aspects of this video that are, um, more visually inclined. So brain, when I, so here in Streamyard, it likes to mute it. It's going to mute your mic. I want you to be ready to unmute your mic so that we can hear your reaction to this video in real time. Are you ready brain? Uh, yeah, sorry. I had okay. to re- reply to that comment, but yeah, I'm ready. I'm so okay. You want me so to this- listen to this unmuted so so that i you have my genuine reaction in yeah make sure you unmute your microphone and just so that everybody knows there is a little bit of silence at the beginning of it that's there on purpose okay there's nothing wrong with your audio all right okay here's the pulse check from josh Your heart is racing. Let me check your pulse. I had a dream. I had a dream. You had a dream. No. It was a vision. The Miami <laughs> Dolphins are going to the Super Bowl. I got to email Josh and Aaron. This is definitely one hot take. Oh, oh my God. The Super Bowl? <laughs> the same old Dolphins? Well, I'm sure the brain will like that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But Josh will love it. <laughs> All right, you calm down. I'm gonna go get you something to drink. Oh my god! Orange think... Kool Aid, please. <laughs> there it is. 
That's so good. That's a Pulse I'm, Tech video. I felt like I was watching me and my wife. <laughs> that, <laughs> that that was amazing. Yeah. I, I, so I want to thank I want to thank him for that video. Uh, it's really good stuff there. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, and, and listen, anybody, all of you can send us your pulse checks as well. You can send them send them in video form if you want to do it as an as an audio thing, you can do that too. Um, but email them to dtpulsecheck at gmail.com. We'll take all of your pulse checks coming in uh, between now and our show on Thursday. So if you want to send them in, we'll uh, air the best of them. Tell us how you're feeling for the season, and we will share them when we do our Patriots preview show next week. But for now, that is going to uh, wrap it up for this episode of the same old dolphin show. Brain, any parting words to the people? Look, by all, you know, all the signs are there that this is the same old dolphins, the flashy off season signings, the preseason excitement, the major question marks going into the season, the way the schedule lines up, with a gauntlet of, of games at the end of the season. There, everything's there for this to be the same old Dolphins. But we can hope. That's and, right. And, and it's the hope that will, will keep us coming back for more. And it's the hope that's going to fuel the frustration when, when the disappointment comes. But hopefully, hopefully. I think that's why people listen to this show. Hopefully because this year will be different. They like to listen to us be cynical and jaded and then eventually let that let our guard down and give in to hope. It's like that one episode from that uh, from a couple years ago where the Dolphins were starting to win and you're like this team looks like a this looks like a playoff team. It's happening. And then they proceeded to lose the big games at the end of the season and uh it was a disaster. So that and and then we get all pissed off and all emotional and you know and that's that's what brings in the ratings, baby. That's what brings in the ratings. So thank you, as always, to everybody for tuning into this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. Make sure you're following us at Amplified to Rock, at Aaron the Brain, at Same Old Dolphins. Subscribe to the Same Old Dolphin Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Turn on the notification bell. Like this video. Share it with your friends. Tell everybody you know. Visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. Buy yourself some Manscaped at Manscaped.com with the promo code DolphinsTalk. Set yourself up with some True Classic t-shirts at uh, TrueClassic.com with the promo code DolphinsTalk. Save 25% off of your order. And as always, take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time about regular season football. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! This career is a genius. We're moving for the Dolphins.